We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Sammy Jacob. TJ Inman will be along with us shortly to go over Indiana's 20-16 win over the Virginia Cavaliers on a awful, awful rainy night in Bloomington on Saturday. Uh, so before we get going, uh, just to keep people updated, uh, we are still doing bingo. We need people's winners to stand, uh, send in their bingo cards so we could get your raffle uh, ticket entries. Anyway, we'll have bingo back for week three this week, uh, presented by Vintage Brand Sports. They got to have some cool stuff. I, I know the holidays are a little bit ways away, but uh, check it out. If you need gifts for people, uh, head over there and get some cool vintage sports stuff. They have more than IU stuff. They have Cubs, all that stuff. But right now, we're going to get back to talking. Uh, Indiana, we're going to wrap up the Virginia game. Uh, before we head into uh, Ball State right now, we welcome in T.J. Inman. Uh, T.J., how are you doing? Doing well, yeah. It's uh, good to have the Hoosiers sitting at 2-0. I know it was not uh, not a particularly um, pretty game by any means, which we certainly expected uh, with the uh, rainstorm that just settled all over the Midwest uh, for the entirety of the weekend. Um, so I think we probably got a game that was just about what we expected, given the weather uh, in Indiana, the difference from this one and then past iterations of games like it. Uh, Indiana managed to hold on and win this one. But uh, it certainly seemed like the wheels were coming off there for a little while. I didn't watch the game live uh, all of that much. I was at a, my cousin's wedding, and I couldn't be a rude guest. And I, I just want to give a shout-out also to – the rest of our team, TJ, I thought uh, Laura Lee, Shallow, Lee Kine, Nathan Comp, who Nathan, who actually sat in the stands the entire game in the rain. Um, I think they did an awesome job this week, and I appreciate them stepping up uh, last week for uh, and helping me so I could spend time with my family at uh, my cousin's wedding. Anyway, it was exactly going back and watching it. It it looked it probably was worse in person than it looked on TV and it looked pretty bad on TV. Uh, the field held up great. Uh, and I, I think this was a, just a survive and advance game for Indiana from, from the way the play calling went in the second half. Um, they held on to the ball for the most part, other than that one interception, no running backs put the ball on the ground. That's something that Indiana needs to be proud of. They, they created a fumble on, on special teams that led to a touchdown that turned the game around. Uh, but this is a win you could hang your hat on that, TJ, I texted you after the game. That's a game IU probably usually loses. 
uh, in the past. And no you know, they talk no about they yep. they talk about finishing, and IU finished that game while it got a little dicey there at the end. Uh, that's too. When they needed a play to close out the game, they, you know it's better than than being at zero and two going into week three. Yeah, I um, I mean, I, I think that uh, you know, Indiana has a lot of things to shore up. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but you know, it's much better to have to focus on what needs improved while you're also winning. Uh, and Indiana was able to do that. I thought the defense, um, after getting gashed that first drive, I thought that they held up very well, uh, did a really nice job against Jordan Ellis. He really could not get anything going, uh, particularly in comparison with Stevie Scott. Uh, Bryce Perkins, um, he hurt Indiana a little bit with his legs, uh, but I thought overall uh, IU did a nice job there, and then really uh, he was ineffective as a passer for the most part. Um, Virginia really didn't test it much, um, and I'm sure part of that was related to the weather. Uh, the second half, they did open up a little bit because they were forced to uh, trailing, but um, you know overall, I thought that IU uh, did what they had to do to win uh, that last drive. You know, it was certainly nerve-wracking as, uh, you know, it seemed like Indiana had left the door open just enough uh, to let Virginia, you know, sting them at the end. And we've seen that play out so many times before uh, as IU football fans. But this time uh, the defense was able to, to get the stop. It looked like, they had one uh, forcing Virginia into a couple of third downs and into a fourth down and then into another fourth down that, uh, you know, had Raheem Lane get the interception uh, and run the clock out, which was nice. I mean, it, that took about 15 seconds, but them running around and, and getting the clock to zero, that was good. Of course, it resulted in one untimed down because of the pass interference, uh, but Indiana was able to uh, – to have that fall harmlessly incomplete. So um, certainly I think what you're looking at as the major positives would be the running game. Uh, without Cole Guest and without Morgan Ellison, Guest for the whole year, Ellison still indefinitely uh, as the university investigation continues. Um, again, you know, we'll repeat, nobody knows uh, what's going to happen with the Morgan Ellison situation. We just have to assume that IU is not going to have him this season. Uh, if they right. get him back for any games, um, that's a positive uh, on the field. But uh, I think we have to operate under the assumption that uh, Ellison will not be playing for the Hoosiers this season. So that leaves you uh, with a, a lot of questions at running back. And, and Stevie Scott provided one huge answer, went for 200-plus, and I thought, um, showed really good patience as a runner, uh, good elusiveness. Uh, he did a really nice job of constantly falling forward, turning you know, a three-yard gain into a five-yard gain because he just moves forward. Uh, very north-south runner, um, but also showing patience to find the holes and letting them develop. Kudos to the offensive line. 
Uh, it was not a tremendous performance from them in week number one, but uh, we knew that the, the rotation there would tighten in week two, and it did. Uh, and I thought that they played very well uh, in run protection. Okay in pass protection. Could certainly get better there. Um, I thought that, you know, it's very hard to evaluate the passing game. Uh, the receivers, in my opinion, did a nice job when they were given a chance to make plays. They did, uh, which the same could not be said for Virginia's receivers who had a couple drops. Uh, Indiana's did not, and that's a big positive. Donovan Hale, of course, making plays again is a positive. Um, yeah, for Peyton Ramsey, it's hard to evaluate. I mean, the uh, you know we know that arm strength is is the the big question mark with him, and that just gets magnified uh, when the ball gets weighed down and and wet, as it certainly was. Um, so it's hard to say. Uh, I know that that's a position that I would anticipate. Uh, Michael Penix gets some snaps on Saturday against Ball State, not because I think Indiana's going to just torch Ball State, but because I, I think um, I think it's something that the staff needs to look at before we get into Big Ten play as uh, to how they're going to handle that. Can Indiana reach its full potential with Ramsey at quarterback? That's a question that is yet to be answered uh, and probably won't be answered for quite some time. But um, overall, you know, a, a good enough from the offense, and I thought the defense um, showed a step forward in week number two. Uh, I know that there were still some issues there with uh, some missed gaps that allowed Bryce Perkins to find some uh, find some running room and a couple of broken coverages that a better quarterback would have hurt Indiana with. But uh, overall, I think IU certainly has a lot to be proud of getting out of there at 2-0. and uh, and moving on, I don't know how much you can take from it in terms of um, what certain guys looked like because the conditions were so uh, difficult. Uh, but I, I think Indiana just has to be pleased that they were able to tough it out and get a win over a team that, honestly, I think Virginia probably finds themselves right around six wins uh, this season. I think that um, that's a pretty pretty decent football team that Indiana found a way to beat. And now you you look back after these two weeks, you say, well, you know, we're two and zero, and we've beaten back to back teams that uh, went to bowl games in in 2017. Um, I know that neither of those opponents are great, uh, but I think they're both pretty solid. And for Indiana to beat both of them uh, and and be two and zero at this point in the season is is a uh, you know a really good solid start for Tom Allen's second year. Yeah, and I agree with you on all those points. There, there are concerns coming out of this game. My main concern is uh, is special teams on on yeah. field goal protection. They had two kicks blocked. They false started on the extra point that was blocked uh, the point before that would have probably would have would have prevented it. Uh, that led to two points. Uh, the blocked field goal late in the game that that would have made it a touchdown game and, and made it more comfortable. Uh, the drive after that, Virginia goes down and scores and make it a, a four, uh, makes it a four-point game um, instead of a, it was a 10-point, nine-point swing there. It's Those are the little things that in 2016 really made special teams a liability uh, with the kicking game. Now, on the bright side, that was some, those were some tough conditions. The snap was there. 
the hold was there. It was just the, the protection wasn't there. Hayden Whitehead did a phenomenal job. His net average took a hit, but that's because they kept punting from the 34-yard line, and, and he put four inside the 20. Uh, he, he did really, yeah. really well. The kickoffs, there, there were no big returns. Kickoff coverage is fine. Forced a fumble uh, that led to a uh, an IU touchdown as well. And another concern for me, I, I thought defense played well. Um, nine tackles for loss was great, and fans keep telling me, you know, I, I keep getting these messages on Twitter. Wow, the defense didn't well, – everybody thought that Bryce Perkins is the next coming of Michael Vick uh, coming into this game, uh, Bernard Robinson or something like that. And they held Virginia to 14 points, uh, offensive points, seven, in, you know, over the last 40 minutes or so. And so that defense, that they grew up a lot. They played a lot of, a lot of, a lot of young guys. They need to clean some stuff up, like you said, TJ. Yeah. Do they need probably to get a pass rush better? Yes. Uh, and they'll get tested this week uh, against Ball State. But offensively, I thought they, I, I thought they would run the ball a little bit more, uh, especially late in the game. Watching bits and pieces of it live, it was like every big play came with a the run. Then they would pass it, and uh, they ended up stalling out, you know, before they got to, to the red zone. Uh, things like that. I didn't think the game plan was that it was bad. I didn't think the, the play calling was that bad. It was just, you know, go, run the ball. Stevie Scott had, had himself a day. Uh, one thing that they do need to do, they need to open up this running back rotation. Stevie uh, Scott yeah, was the only running back to touch, touch the ball. IU didn't target Wapfillier all that much. Uh, I don't think he had a target at all. They didn't get him on jet sweeps. So I don't know what that was about. Uh, it, it's you got to get you, know, you got to get uh, you know maybe Ricky Brookins, Ronnie Walker, those guys some touches just to take the load off of a true freshman. Now he's built like a house, and his legs are very solid. But uh, if you're running Stevie Scott 31 times a game, you just cross your fingers and hope he lasts the entire season, especially when he hits a big ten. Yeah. But overall, yeah. good win. Awful conditions. Tom Allen made – he avoided a not-top-ten play. I'll tell you that. Uh, coming off the field, celebrating, kicking the trash can. Uh, all I could think of is him slipping on that. It's rubberized track. And if ever, anybody's run on one of those old-school rubberized tracks in the rain, it is like a skating rink. Uh, and so, <laughs> you know, he was pumped up, thanking the students for staying. And a big shout-out to, to the IU students who stayed and, and went to the game and puffed it out in the rain. Uh, but, yeah, Tom Allen, I, I thought he was yeah. going to fall on his yeah. butt at rear end. But that was very cool. He ended up, you know, picking up the trash uh, Sunday morning at 6 a.m. Uh, after he realized that he that he kicked the trash can over. Uh, but a very cool moment. Let's move on to, to Ball State, TJ. This is a series that has yeah. – I hesitate to call it a rivalry, but it is. Uh, it's turning into one because Ball State has been competitive. Ball State coming into the game has won three in the last four meetings. They've won three in a row prior to IU's win in 2016. They're always a tough team coming into Bloomington. Uh, they're going to play with a tough uh, chip on their shoulder. They've got a couple nice players on offense, with Riley Neal and James Gilbert, and uh, some speedy wide receivers. They, they gave uh, Notre Dame a run for their money. 
up in South Bend, although that that game was not as close as the score indicated, uh, 24-16, no. uh, but Ball State scored 10 points in the, in the fourth quarter to make it that close after Notre Dame looked like they took their uh, foot off the gas. Three turnovers, uh, takeaways made four, three interceptions. Uh, that's something that IU is going to have to uh, it's going to have to figure out. Um, you know, Peyton Ramsey probably should have thrown more than one pick against Virginia. He played well. He did, including 16 to 22 passes. Uh, that's very impressive in, in that weather. But there were a couple passes that probably should have been picked off. A, a swing pass uh, in the flat that. If the guy catches, it's a touchdown the other way unless he trips over the receiver and, and a couple other balls where if he had a little bit more zip on it, the receiver, it, it gets there a little faster and, and the defender can't make a play on it. And so, yeah, I'd expect to see Mike Pennick uh, this weekend as well. So we'll see. Game kicks off at noon. It's on Big Ten Network. And and we'll, you know, we'll see. I, I think Ball State coming in uh, – talk about their offense, TJ. It's led by Riley Neal. But last year, Ball State was absolutely dreadful. They went 2-10. and ten. But what people don't realize is so after game three, they lost Riley Neal, James Gilbert, uh, a whole, like seven starters went out for the season uh, in the first half, and then it just all went downhill from there and resulted in 2-10 season. This team is much more talented than that. Uh, they're going to be tougher. Riley Neal is, is a big NFL-bodied um, quarterback. He has a strong arm. Tom Allen said he's probably the most complete complete quarterback they've faced to, to date this season. Uh, he, he can sling it around. They've got some, some fast receivers as well who are going to cause problems uh, on these short, short passes. Uh, in Justin Hall, he's a sophomore from Georgia. He's got speed. Uh, Riley Miller is, is a, a bigger receiver at six one, and then you have James. The the, the running backs are, are pretty good as well. James Gilbert uh, out of Indianapolis, uh, uh, Caleb Huntley and Malik Dunard. They they ran for over 300 yards combined against Central Connecticut in their opener. They put up 166 on Notre Dame, who's supposed to be a stout defense. This is going to be a, a dogfight, um, and, and more than people expected. Their line has some good size. Uh, you know, they go 6'4", 284, 6'4", 300, 6'3", 280, 6'5", 305, and 6'4", 295. So they're, they're, they're a tough team, uh, and we'll see what they, they have to do. But to me, IU's going to have to stop their running game. Uh, they base a lot of their pass off of that running success, and um, – you know, this is a game where you feel good about your Virginia win. You've got a big primetime game with Michigan State coming up the following week. It's kind of a trap game. And Ball State's got to be feeling pretty decent about themselves coming coming out of South Bend, uh, covering that spread, and really had a chance to, to do some damage up there if they didn't uh, get help field goals in the red zone. Well, it's interesting because, I, you know, reading a lot of the uh, Notre Dame fan reaction um, on kind of their SB Nation fan site and a couple of other sites, uh, their fans, of course, 
you know, felt like Notre Dame uh, really did not play well at all. Uh, not surprising, of course, when you're, you know, closer than you expect to be against a, an opponent that you think you're going to hammer. Um, and coming off but, a big win against Michigan, too. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I think there is something to that. I, it, look, Notre Dame's players, I am 99.9% sure, uh, were not all that focused on what the Ball State Cardinals were going to present. Um that doesn't mean that they didn't try it. It doesn't mean that Ball State, you know, doesn't deserve a lot of credit for uh, giving Notre Dame much more of a game than what they expected. But I do think that that has to be taken into consideration uh, when doing an evaluation of the Cardinals. A couple of things that stood out to me, uh, Riley Neal, uh, so far this season, he's completing just 57.5% of his passes. That's not terrible, but his yards per attempt is only 5.5. So he's he's only attempting an average of 5.5 yards a pass attempt and still only completing 57.5%. Uh, that's, that's just not very good. And against a pretty good IU secondary, uh, or at least what they've shown to be so far, a pretty good IU secondary, uh, that could present some issues for Ball State, and it's an opportunity for the IU defense, I think. Uh, now, I think the running game, uh, Riley Neal is not going to present the same type of mobile threat that Bryce Perkins did. Uh, I think he'd probably, you know, much more of the legs of, say, a, a James Morgan from Ford International. Uh, he's on a statue back there, but uh, he's not going to beat you with his legs. Uh, so that's a plus for Indiana's defense, but I think that uh, – the challenge you'll get is with that kind of one-two punch of uh, James Gilbert and Caleb Huntley, both of them uh, are averaging, you know, over five yards of carry. So uh, that's going to be more of a challenge. Now, I think Indiana's offense uh, on the other side, I, you know, Ball State's defense was, as you said, they had a bunch of injuries last season, so they're better than what those numbers indicate. However, uh, Notre Dame, which – I do not think has a particularly good offense. I think that they're they're better than average, but I don't think they're great, particularly Brandon Wimbush. He threw for almost 300 yards. Yes, he had three interceptions. That's a, a you know a feather in Ball State's cap, but still, that's a guy that uh, is not a very good thrower, and he put up almost 300 yards. So, for me, the opportunity is going to be there for Indiana's receivers to have a nice day if IU chooses to go that way. Um, I hope to see the Hoosiers try to take advantage of that because um, I don't think there's many secondaries that uh, can match up with the size of Indiana's receivers on a consistent down-to-down basis. Uh, With Donovan Hale playing the way that he is uh, and and Nick Westbrook and Luke Timian as well, that size presents a real matchup problem for defenses. Uh, And if you have a consistent threat with Stevie Scott, it it allows – I mean, it you know, forces teams to focus on the run as well as the pass. So I'm looking to see, does Indiana's offense open it up a little bit, let let those receivers kind of take this game over with um, what I think is a a well-state secondary that's kind of there for the taking if you can make them pay for, uh, for mistakes that are made. Or, honestly, maybe not just even mistakes, maybe just I use guys being bigger, faster, stronger than the Ball State secondary, 
Uh, and if I use aggressive with that, I think that that's a spot where they can really make hay. Yeah, and we left out Ty Freifogel there with that group, too. He's had an excellent season so that's far. And, and kind that's of a true. guy that people forgot about last year uh, with Wap Dillier coming in and, and making noise and uh, Freifogel missing most of the year. But he's been a, a really nice uh, third, second, third option per Peyton Ramsey. He's made some big catches on third down. Uh, so Ty Freifogel is another guy that you can lean on. Uh, you saw Austin Doris get his first career catch. Now, I, I will – he did not gain a yard. He got negative one yard, but he finally got that monkey off his back, uh, getting that first catch. And they're involving the tight ends more. And once – if this offense hasn't really hit its stride in terms of doing everything that they can, uh, and a lot of that has to do with the weather last week. But if you could get clicking on all cylinders – uh, this offense is going to be, be pretty well. And they were close to all cylinders uh, in, in game one. But if they could get more explosive plays, I think you, you have to play Penix. Uh, you know, I, I I like Ramsey. He's a winner. He's a tough kid, a great leader. But he needs to – he's going to get hurt by the lack of zip on his ball uh, where Michael Penix saw – you saw him put the ball where players needed it at the speed that they needed it to make plays in the open field, uh, where the receiver with Ramsey is waiting for the ball, and, a, and sometimes that allows that defender to come up and make a play, uh, either knock down, knock the ball down or intercept it. So I, I think going forward, you, you go with the two-quarterback system. Um, forget about kind of his red shirt. Honestly, you don't really care about 2021 or 2022 right now. Uh, this is a big game, a big year for IU. You can start out the year 3-0 uh, and, and get back to a bowl game. And if you go to a bowl game this year, that's three and four years. Now, instead of talking about bowl droughts, uh, fans, uh, so-called experts, uh, national people will say, oh, this is the Indiana one that has, you know, went to bowl games three out of the last four years. And that's becoming the expectation. So, yeah, not many concerns other than this is a, this is a classic trap game. It's a noon game. Ball State travels really well. I don't know if people watched the Ball State Notre Dame game, but it looks like there are a lot of red uh, in the seats up in South Bend for Maxine visiting uh, Notre Dame. And, and whenever they've come to Bloomington, they've traveled really well. A lot of respect for those Ball State folks who, who come down to to Bloomington. But IU needs to IU needs to focus. It's it's one of those sleepy noon games. Uh, hopefully, I heard a rumor that there's another hurricane in the Carolinas and it might come to Indiana. I don't know. I'm sick of rain. I need some sun. Uh, so hopefully, right now the forecast is for 84 and sunny. Uh, hopefully that stays true, and we could get a good clean game before uh, heading into uh, Big Ten play. All right, TJ, keys for the game. Uh, what the is first your key one? for me is yeah, yeah first key for me is going to be uh can the Indiana running game back up the performance that we saw against Virginia. Um uh, for me that's twofold. Number one it's gonna be the offensive line and number two it's going to be Steve Scott and who can step up as a second or third running back. 
uh, hopefully you can get a nice rotation of guys that can get the job done. Uh, that means the coaches need to find a couple guys that they can trust with the ball in their hands, uh, and then whoever those players end up being that they can produce. Um, I, I mean, Stevie Scott looks like the real deal. It did not look like a fluke. Uh, moves his feet very well for a guy his size. He's patient. He's elusive. Powerful. Falls forward. Reminds me of All Jordan Howard. Remind, reminds yeah. me a little bit of Jordan Howard. Power running. You know, he, he wasn't going to bust out a lot of 40-yard runs. That Stevie Scott had, had a couple. Uh, but he always got the, those five, six yards, fell forward, very rarely got hit for a loss. I think Stevie Scott lost about four yards uh, the other night. So, yeah, he, yep. he's been impressive. Yeah, so, but like you said, game, uh, that's just not realistic for hardly any player to do throughout the entire college football season at the Big Ten East. Uh, but particularly a true freshman. So IU has got to find other guys that can help carry the load. Uh, and and I, I think the offense needs to be a little careful with how they use Mike Majette because right now, every time Majette comes in the game, the defense knows it's a pass. I mean, it is an automatic tell when he comes in. It's for pass block. Uh, and that's that's fine, but you've got to diversify some. And I'm sure the offensive staff is aware of that. Uh, and we'll make that adjustment. I mean, that's, I'm not, you know, giving away any state secret there. Um, so I'm looking to see can the run game kind of sustain the dominance that they showed against Virginia. Because uh, if you could do it two weeks in a row, it starts to become something you can trust. Definitely. It's it's something you can trust and, you know, that you can build on it, especially going into – Right. season and, and ending September on a strong note. Uh, my first key to the game is you've got to clean up mistakes. Uh, you've got to start fast and, and clean up those mistakes on special teams. Uh, and, you know, maybe IU takes the ball on offense this time. Uh, the, the, uh, the first drive kind of set the tone uh, a, a little early against Virginia. Maybe you give the offense a chance to get, to get an early lead and not play from behind. Uh, but if they do end up winning toss and, and playing on defense, I, I think getting a a stop on that first drive is going to be key uh, to how this game goes on Saturday. Second yeah, key I, of the game, you know, that, Yeah, the tone of this game is going to be important because uh, I know that the Ball State fans remember. I don't know about the players, but I know the Ball State fans will remember that they've won three out of four. Uh, you know, in this series. And I, I know for darn sure that IU fans remember it. Uh, and it's something that we're kind of sick of dealing with. Um, so if I, I can, I feel confident speaking for, um, for quite a few IU fans in saying that, uh, you know, this is a game that, um, you know, we want Indiana to come out, uh, establish themselves pretty early and, uh, and leave no doubt here. Um, so I, I would, very much appreciate if the Hoosiers could uh, kind of turn this into a, uh, a comfortable afternoon. Uh, second key of the game for me is going to be uh, on the defensive side. Uh, I want to see Indiana get after Riley Neal. Uh, that doesn't have to be sacks, but uh, I think if you can force 
ball status and negative plays um, typically going to come from uh, you know come against the running or the against the quarterback getting sacks or uh, you know maybe in the running game it means getting penetration and getting a loss those tackles for loss those havoc plays for the defense uh, I think if you can get this ball state offense behind the chains off schedule. Uh, they would have a hard time coming back from that, but then you had a secondary, and I think you'd force a lot of uh, a lot of punts for Ball State, um, which you know in good weather conditions, Jason Harris, of course, is a weapon back there. So um, I want to see Indiana's defense, whether that's the linebackers, uh, defensive ends, the tackles, and maybe a, a safety coming on a blitz or. However, it's manufactured. I want to see some uh, some good havoc plays for this defense, force Ball State off schedule, uh, and make Riley Neal um, and those receivers beat what is a pretty good Indiana secondary. Yeah, my second key to the game goes along with that, and it's going to be takeaways. Uh, takeaways are the great equalizer in in the game of football. So. Not turning the ball over, IU is plus two on turnover margin this year. They forced a takeaway in each game after only getting uh, 13 a year ago. They're already up to four. There were a couple balls on the ground uh, for Virginia that IU could have jumped on, didn't. Uh, maybe one or two of them didn't have a chance uh, that there was no IU player there. But if you could not turn the ball over against Ball State, and give them fewer chances to score points. Now, Ball State did force three takeaways last week. They only scored three points off of that. Uh, but to give your offense a little bit of confidence to, to handle the ball uh, and keep the ball off the ground, and, and they've done that pretty well uh, through games one and two, and, and then taking the ball away, uh, it, I'm hoping it's a big crowd. This is, uh, you know, the weather's supposed to be good. I used 2-0. and oh. That you could start three and zero, although it's a noon game, it should be a big crowd. It'll energize that crowd. The stadium seems a little bit louder this year with the enclosed end zones, keeping the noise in. So, takeaways is my second key to the game. Uh, you kind of touched on it. Your matchup to watch, TJ, uh, with the IU secondary and, and the passing game for Ball State. Is that your matchup to watch? Yeah, I think you could go there. You could go with, uh, you know, IU's receivers versus Ball State secondary. Uh, and you could go with the, uh, you know, the Hoosiers offensive line against Ball State's D-line. But uh, I think I will go with uh, IU's secondary against uh, Riley Neal on the Ball State wideouts. Um, when you have a guy that's completing only 57.5% of his passes, I know it's a small sample size, but that's what college football is, a small sample. Um, so when you have a guy completing that low of a percentage, you would expect that he's com- you know, trying a lot of deep passes. Uh, his yards per average are only 5.5 yards uh, attempt. So uh, to me, that says that uh, either, one, he's kind of due for a really accurate day, or two, there's a, a big opportunity for the Hoosier secondary to uh, to force him into a rough day, particularly if that pass rush can, uh, can create some negative, obvious passing down situations. Uh, he, Riley Neal did complete 70% of his passes against Central Connecticut State, only 46 against uh, Notre Dame. So 
you know, it's his accuracy probably falls, you know, somewhere uh, between 70 and, and 46. So uh, we'll see. My matchup to watch is probably the same as yours. I, it's, it's Riley Neal uh, against the back seven for Indiana. He can run a little bit too. Uh, and just getting them into passing downs, knocking, making plays on the ball, knocking down uh, passes, and, and making the tackle. It was difficult on Saturday to judge how many times guys slipped off yeah. the tackle because yeah. of the weather and, and things like that. So um, we'll see. I I really, really think that it, Riley stopping Riley Neal is, is the key to this game uh, and not letting them get uh, two-dimensional. If, they, if IU can keep them one-dimensional uh, like they did Virginia, IU should walk away uh, with the win. Uh, prediction time, TJ. What is your prediction for Saturday? Yeah, I'm going to go Indiana, take it home this one, uh, 35-17. So 35-17, an 18-point win for the Hoosiers. I'm not predicting a made field goal because I have zero confidence in that phase of the game right now. Uh, but I will go with all made extra points on the five touchdowns that the Hoosiers get. Uh, I like uh, I like IU's offense in this matchup, um, and I like what I've seen in general from the offense overall. Um, so I, I think uh, I think the Hoosiers have a good offensive day. This is not a walkover. Uh, I think we have we both in agreement there that uh, you know the ball state that is on the field this year is going to be a significantly better product than what they had last year due to uh, some major, major injury issues. So this is not an easy one. Uh, it is a very important game for Indiana to win. It's a very important game for Ball State, for sure, uh, as well as it is any time you get on the field with the Big Ten opponent, especially your in-state rival. So it, it's a big one on Saturday, but I like IU's offense uh, to, to do very well. And then uh, the Ball State offense, I think, will get uh, – We'll get some nice plays, but I think Indiana's defense overall does enough to give IU a, a somewhat comfortable victory. Uh, it won't be a blowout, though. I think Ball State will do enough to hang around for a while. Yeah, right now, IU's 0-2 against the spread uh, this season. The spread for this game is 14 and Just a half. barely. Just barely 0-2. If you're betting IU in the points, you got to be frustrated. Um IU, I think, matches up well. It's another game under the belt of these young guys. We saw the improvements that they've made from week one to week two. They're only going to get better. Uh, the weather is supposed to be better, so it should be conducive to more offense. I think Ball State does put up some points. James Gilt, they're just too good not to score. Um, so I'm going to go IU uh, 34, Ball State uh, 20. And you get that backdoor cover maybe. Um on this, it's going to be a dog fight, and it's going to be a fun game to watch. This is these are the games that that you like to watch. We saw a MAC team knock off a Big Ten team uh, last week in Eastern Michigan, Purdue. So you cannot take these teams lightly, and uh, you know this is a this is going to be a tough ball state team. They're going to come in with a chip on their shoulder. Uh, these in-state matchups are always always tough. But you have guys on Ball State who wanted an offer from Indiana, didn't get it, feel uh, insulted. Uh, maybe they carry that into the game. They play just that much harder 
uh, against the big in-state Big Ten teams uh, and will make it difficult. But I do think, you know, Indiana's a, a better team on paper. Uh, and if they play well, I'm going to go 34-20. And they start Big Ten play 3-0 with a night game against Michigan State on September 22nd. All right, guys, TJ, thanks for, for joining me. And have a wonderful Monday evening. And hopefully the sun comes out sometime this week. Absolutely. Same to uh, same to you and all of our listeners. Hope uh, hope everyone has a good week and uh, is able to, uh, to either be in attendance on Saturday or watch on TV and join us for all of our post-game coverage. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, head to HoosierHuddle.com for all your updates on IU Hoosier football. Uh, we have our notes and quotes from Tom Allen up uh, already this evening. Hey, follow us on Twitter at HoosierHuddle.com. Uh, Hoosier underscore huddle. Uh, don't forget to print out your bingo cards for this week or save them on your phone however, however you want to do it. And do not forget to send them in. You cannot win if you don't send them in. Uh, so send them in. Uh, we had five winners uh, in week one. We had one winner so far last week. We sent them in. Uh, so please, please send them in uh, so you can get rewarded. Anyway, thank you very much for joining us. We'll be back next week on Monday to recap the IU Ball State game and preview Indiana-Michigan State in the battle for the old brass platoon. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Well, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Man, that sunset is 
gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.